So I never really have seen, like, I think a lot of people get into real estate for the flexibility and for the fact that they don't have to work a nine to five schedule. They can go do whatever they want. But for me, I never really got to be in that nine to five world. So I guess I don't know the difference of this job compared to somewhere where you do have to report and be somewhere and be, you know, on time and stuff like that. And in essence, yeah, I'm my own boss, but if I was the boss to people that I am now, there's certain expectations, just like your boss on a nine to five might have. And as long as you can manage those expectations for yourself, be realistic with them. Like, don't say, I'm going to get to the office every day at 7 a.m. If you know you wake up at 8.30, you know what I mean? Like little things like that, like really set realistic expectations for yourself. And on top of that, if you're going to make a commitment, break down to a T what that commitment involves. Meaning if you are committing to selling X amount of houses this year, do you know how many appointments it takes to get to that amount of houses based off of your conversion rates? Do you know how many calls you need to make in order to get that amount of appointments? No, well then great. This is how many you have to make. And like, I guess just staying committed to the actions rather than just the results, you know, like that's ultimately, I feel like how I've been able to stay disciplined is knowing that I'm chasing something that's, that's greater than me. Hello and welcome to the Agent Podcast with your host, that's me, Raymond Schulzheimer. Let's dive in. This episode is sponsored by Inspired Title Card. Nationally recognized in 48 states across the U.S. where a portion of each closing goes to charity. Give them a call on your next deal. They'll close anywhere, they're remote. Visit inspired-title.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Agent Podcast. Today I'm here with my buddy Caleb out of Houston, Texas. Caleb, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Raven. I really appreciate it, brother. I'm glad you're here, man. So why real estate? Yeah, you know, I got involved into real estate pretty much right after high school. So I was selling Cutco knives all of my senior year of high school, pretty much. I ended up scheduling an appointment with one of my teachers at the time who just so happened to also be a realtor. Him and his wife, I sat down with them, sold them a couple of knives. And then he basically was like, okay, well, uh, how much money do you make off of one knife sale? And at first I'm like, oh, that's a little bit personal, bro. Like you're one of my teachers, you know? <laughs> but I kind of saw where he was going with it. So I broke it down for him and he was like, okay, well, this is what I make off of selling a house. And I was like, okay, obviously a drastic difference from, you know, a couple knives. And I was like, okay. And he said, I think you'd really be good at it. I just think that you communicate very well. Like, I think that, you know, you would be really good. And I was like, okay. So I kind of procrastinated for a little bit. And then eventually toward the end of the year, he called me into his room and sat me down, printed out the local school schedule that of their next upcoming classes for licensing. And handed it to me and he was like, look, you need to take it. I don't know what your plans are after your, after high school. At the time, I was going to be going to college for a marketing degree in Cutco. There was plenty of people that I knew that had marketing degrees. And I kind of asked them, was there anything different, additional, unique that they learned in college that they didn't really learn on the job in Cutco or doing sales? And their answers were pretty concise. They were like, no, you know, I think that I, I relearned everything I learned from Cutco in college. And it was good reinforcers. It was good reminders. But ultimately, it didn't change anything. I was like, okay. So I'd already signed up for my first semester of college. During the summer, I got licensed and was kind of gotten to a point where it, it picked up pretty quick, you know? So I got to the point where I was kind of having to walk out of class to take calls at times and things along those lines. And I didn't like that. You know, I'm very big on respect and I didn't want to keep going in and out of the professor's classrooms and stuff like that. So I finished my semester and I was like, okay, well, you know, school's going to be there. I don't know what the heck this market's going to look like, but let's try it. And three years later, here we are. So can we unpack that a little bit? Of course. Yeah. 
why did this teacher take you on as a mentee, so to speak, or what, what was it that, that he adopted you, right? To like, Hey, you need to do this. You know, I think that, cause I've asked him that before. And I think that it's a, it's a mixture of a couple of things. I think that he was, well, he could tell that I really liked what I do as far as like talking to people, selling, you know, providing value, showing a product and kind of maxing, mixing and matching like what that client specifically needed. Because I think the difference with me is that like in Cutco, you know, they're like thousand dollar knife sets, right? Like very, very nice, high quality, expensive knives and kitchenware and pots and pans and all that stuff. And I never really sought to get a, you know, $10,000 order on one. I wanted to be able to go on as many appointments as possible and help as many people as possible, find whatever knife it is that fits them the best. So I wasn't about, you know, selling the largest amount on one appointment. I was more about helping the largest amount of people. And I think that he saw that and said that, you know, I think that you have some sort of desire to help in that way, you know, and on top of that, I was able to communicate very well. I had learned the Cutco script with the back of my hand at that point. So I sold my butt off, you know, I think it was just a mixture of a couple of those things. So coming into your real estate career today, what are a couple things that you brought with you from the Cutco days that have really helped you catapult and build over the last couple of years? You know, I think with Cutco, one of the biggest things was the um, structure of the appointment. You know, they taught us from point A to point Z, pretty much how to walk through the entire appointment. And one of my favorite books now is uh, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Yeah. And, you know, in the book, obviously he talks about starting with why and how companies that start with why have clients suffer inconveniences and pay premiums for their services. And with that said, you know, in Cutco, I remember the exact cadence of the, the appointment was we get there, you lay out all the stuff. And before we ever even pull a knife out, we start talking about how Cutco is a, a big company that offers lots of college, you know, incentives or scholarships or, or anything along those lines that you can earn as a student and, and doing Cutco at the same time. And, you know, the whole cadence of the appointment was starting there, like starting with our why, kind of going over features and benefits of the knives, of course, and how Cutco is such a great company doing with all this revenue, what they're doing. They, they have plenty of different charity projects and stuff like that going. And then kind of gets into the features and benefits and talks about competition and then talks about why Cutco is so much better. And then for like me and listing appointments, you know, I talk about their why. I talk about why are you even selling this house to begin with? It's a beautiful home, right? And then kind of go into the features and benefits of the Monroe team, for example, and then talk about, you know, other competition that might be out there that's not necessarily doing X, Y, and Z that we do videos, door knocking, open houses, whatever it might be. And talk, you know, great about our competition. It's not like we never want to tear any agents down. That's one thing I always tell my, my team, especially if you don't know them. There's like 60,000 license holders in Houston. There's no way you're going to know every single one of them and how they actually are as a person. You know what I mean? So in our listing appointments, it's never about like, oh, you interviewed this person. Like, oh, no, they're, they're terrible. They do this and do that. It's more like, oh, I, I've either not heard of that person or like, oh, I know them. They're a great person, great guy, great girl. You know, went to dinner with them one time. Like whatever it might be, right? We're just kind of building up. And at the end of the day, if they get the listing over us based off our harping on how great they are, well, then fantastic. Great for them. You know, there's 6 million people in Houston. There's plenty of business to go around. But I think it was kind of that, that was the biggest thing was the cadence of like how the appointment goes and how you're able to lead generate, ask for referrals. Referrals is the biggest thing in Cutco. So from when you first entered real estate coming out of Cutco, I almost said Costco, <laughs> to now, has your messaging and scripting changed? Like, have you seen evolution or growth or like, does that make sense? I guess what yeah. I'm asking, like. Most definitely, because I think like from Cutco, right? 
you know, the goal was to get at least 10 recommendations like to other friends and family, right? And on top of that, it was to, if you, if you want to take it one step further, it was to like try to get your client that you just sold knives to, to shoot a text or to call these top 10 people and say, hey, I have my friend Caleb calling you. He's doing this for this. Like he's, you know, selling cut code to help himself pay his way through college because that was my goal at the time. And, you know, now in real estate, it's more of like, well, we just try to provide like top tier service. And when we ask for referrals, it's almost like no brainers for our clients to be able to send them to us because they want, you know, their friends and family to have that same sort of experience. But I think that credibility helps a lot, right? I think that just now kind of established uh, like a social media presence or a, a strong referral network of like sphere of influence based referrals or lender partners, anything like that, that is similar to Cutco, but it's definitely an evolved version because back then it was just like, I'm asking for the referrals and right then and there, I'm asking if they can give me a word of mouth referral by just calling or texting their friend directly. Now it's more like I'm doing that with my clients, right? But I'm also putting a bunch of informative stuff on social media to kind of back up that credibility a little bit. And if that kind of makes sense, like I think it has evolved in that way. Tell me about the structure of your real estate business today. How many people do you have? How do you have it structured? How do you spend your time? I'd love to dive into that a little bit. Absolutely. So now here in 2023, we're a team of 11 people. That's a three admin. That's a marketing director, a full-time director of operations and an assistant for both of them pretty much. We also have a transaction coordinator, but she's not in-house and she's just per transaction. And then uh, eight agents. From those agents, they do buyers and sellers. I'm not particular on making them only buyer's agents or only listing agents. I think that, like I mentioned before, there's so much business out there to go around that I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea, every seller's, you know, favorite person. So if I can have them, you know, reaching out to their SOI and reaching out to expired listings or, you know, new buyers, whatever it might be, I would rather the buyer and the consumer have somebody that they, they actually like to work with. And I realize that's not always going to be me. And so today my biggest focus is like, I always tell my team, I heard this at a conference once that you should be like Beyonce because Beyonce doesn't drive herself to the stadium. Beyonce doesn't put her on her own makeup, do her own hair, put on her own outfit at the stadium. Like she's probably like this and having like all the stuff put on on her, right? She doesn't test the lights or the sound. All Beyonce does is show up, perform, and then she gets paid Beyonce money to do so, right? So my team members, the same way as me, because I'm still very heavily in production. Last year, I would say I did maybe between 50 to 60% of our production in total from my just individual business that us as agents, we should show up like Beyonce. Like we should kind of leverage out all the other stuff that does help enhance the performance and help, you know, make the performance go together. But all we have to do is show up, perform, show up, lead generate, set appointments, go on appointments and et cetera. Our staff is very good about kind of take everything else off of their plates. So that was, a, you mentioned one thing that I want to lead into next, right? It's like, what are you guys doing for lead generation? And then how do you manage and allocate that to the team? Yeah. So nine to 12, every single morning, we're here at the office lead generating together, whether it is expired listings one day, one day of the week, we'll probably all just get brand new expired list and kind of divide and con. Uh, we're doing a lot of circle prospecting around of our, around our listings, basically letting them know like, Hey, we have a new house up for sale in your neighborhood. And then past that, whenever it sells, reaching back out to them and saying, Hey, it sold. Every neighbor is going to want to know what it sold for. And then a, a lot of social media. I would say about 70 to 85% of my personal production comes from sphere of influence and referrals. And it's kind of the same for a lot of my team, my team members. Some of them do, like we have like Facebook ads and stuff like that that we'll get leads from. And of course, those are all more longer term nurtures, but a lot of their business is the same. Like we're all trying to do a lot of videos. We're all trying to message a lot of people on social media and just 
providing value in any way we can, you know, an unsolicited value. Like they're not asking for it. We're just reaching out and saying, hey, we want to help. You know? Social media is awesome. It looks super curated and it's also very professional. I appreciate that. How are you making these videos? Do you have a videographer that goes with you to listings and appointments, captures it, then turns around and edits a finished product? Yeah. So Justin is our, our video guy of Delphi Media. He is fantastic. He makes us look very good. You know, started out with me November, 2020. And for the longest time, we were just working kind of like per video. Anytime I got a listing, I would call them and we'd do a listing tour. But then it expanded to like doing like apartment tours. Like there's a lot of high-end apartments in Houston, downtown specifically that are very popular. And we wanted to highlight why they're so popular. We started doing like small business highlights and just kind of giving back to the community and, you know, showing their business off. They were not struggling, but if maybe they wanted or needed more business for whatever reason, or like businesses that we just believed in, you know, or friends and family that own small businesses. And then we ended up doing a lot more like sit down content where it's just like me in front of the camera, providing value, talking about an FHA loan, talking about inspections, talking about the current state of the market, interest rates, whatever it might be, just kind of whatever people are asking, we're definitely answering on, on the highest scale. How did you decide to invest in that? Like a lot of people, you know, A, are scared to be on video, first of all, but second of all, they're also afraid to make that investment because it does cost money and take time. I think that just like hiring staff, it was kind of like, I am not paying for this because I need it. I'm paying for it because, well, it, that's the, that's the difference between them. Like, I think that for staff and videography and any other thing that we're investing for in the business, it's not investing in it because you need it. It's investing in it because you might need it at some point and investing into it now is probably going to help you whenever it gets to that point. Right. So like when I hired my TC, I didn't necessarily need a TC. I didn't have a ton of transactions that were going on at the time. But she took so much off my plate that I was able to go hunt and get more, be Beyonce, right? And it's the same thing with, with, with our videographer. You know, it, it's not a matter of I need content. It's like, I want to be the people that, the person that people go to for content. And like, they're, they're anticipating my next video to come out. And they're anticipating the question that they asked on my story to be answered on the next video. And it wasn't always like that. Like, I remember when I first started, if you scroll like far enough and long enough on my Facebook or Instagram, you will find like, cell phone video tours of brand new construction homes. And I would go on YouTube and it's like a, maybe like a two second clip of me going like this in the kitchen or like a three second clip of me in the primary bedroom. Then I go on YouTube and I search up a non-copyright lo-fi music or something like that. Just like kind of chill elevator music almost. And I would record a voice memo on my phone from the speakers on my laptop, super crappy quality. Like it sounded terrible, but I would be able to put that on this like spliced together video. And then it would be like a one to three minute video of a brand new home. And when I tell you, Raymond, that those were not the prettiest things ever, like I <laughs> archives on Instagram, just to show my team every once in a while, like, hey, this is where I started, you know? And it kind of evolved into like, well, people are liking me doing videos. Social media seems to be clamoring to the whole video mantra. And let's like take this up another notch. It happened whenever I got my first like $300,000 plus listing or something like that. Had a pool, no back neighbors. It was beautiful, like 20... 19, 2018 build, something like that. So very new, right? And I was like, okay, I have to do something special. I can't just do like another splice together cell phone video with non-copyright music in the back. Like I want it to be nice, upscale. I ended up making a post on Facebook asking for recommendations. And my guy was the only one that had a business page. Everybody else was like, oh, my cousin does this. My sister does wedding videography and like things like that. So, but he was the only one that looked like really legit. And, you know, ever since then, we've just been rocking and rolling. Now he's on a monthly retainer with us where he's with the twice a week or no, twice a month, sorry, for three times out of those weeks, two weeks out of the month for three days out of those weeks. 
And I mean, all day long, we're just doing video tours, new build tours, sit down content, whatever it might be that day. I love it. I always say that marketing makes sales easier, right? right? So you're investing in this, you're doing all this video. And as people find you, as you grow, you're creating this evergreen content that's always going to be there. Right. And it makes the sale easier to close when you get there, regardless of how long it is. 1000%. Like it's gotten to a point where now, like I'll go into listing appointments and people are already asking what style of video I'm going to do or what music I'm putting behind the listing tour. And it's just, excuse me, a good feeling to have knowing that they're already, they already know what we do, how we do it. And they're excited to see it done for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's dialed in, right? Like you have your process down and this is how it's flowing and you're setting the expectation of the service and the level of quality and it makes their decision easier to hire you. Right. It's almost like a, like a no brainer at that point with how much sure. value information we just want to be able to provide, you know? So let's switch gears a little bit. What are some things you wish you knew coming into the real estate business that you feel would have been more helpful in either achieving success faster or building differently or just even self-education for that matter? I think it's kind of, well, I think I would have hired a coach a lot sooner. I have two business coaches now. I didn't hire one until like the end of my very first year, which I think, you know, everything happens for a reason. The timeline kind of fell in place how it should. Sure. But I think that, you know, there's that whole term being a secret agent. And I don't think that I was, but I also don't think that I, like, I, I really underestimated the amount of people that I knew or the amount of people that knew who I was in some capacity, right? Even if it was like they remembered me because I was like the little chunky kid that was my mom's son. You know what I mean? Like, it, even if it was like little things like that, I could still call those people and reintroduce myself in a sense. And it all happened whenever I, I took bold with KW. I was at KW for a while, I took bold. And, you know, that it really made you think outside of the box of who you should be reaching out to. We were having to have 100 conversations a week. And so like, in, like for example, one of the other things I brought over from Cutco was my whole database. Like I had 100 plus clients that had bought knives from me that I can now call and tell them I'm in real estate. And at that point, like I had already kind of been getting into real estate. I was telling my people on appointments, hey, I'm getting into real estate after this, so I'll sell you knives and a house, like things like that, right? And it got to a point where I run out of my people. Like I was like, well, I've already called all the people that have bought knives for me. And then I was like, oh, what about all the people that I did appointments for that didn't buy anything? I still had their numbers, so I started calling them. And then, oh, on top of that, what about all the folks that I called to try to set an appointment? Maybe they canceled. We never got to get on schedule or, or something like that. But they'll remember the kid that called to try to sell them knives. And sure enough, all of them did. But I didn't reach out to a lot of them soon enough. Like there were some that were like, man, I wish you would have called me like three or four months ago. We just closed on a house. The experience was terrible. Like I would have much rather worked with you. Like things like that, you know. And it's a little disheartening to hear it because I'm like, like I could have just reached out just a few months earlier. I was already licensed, but wasn't really thinking outside the box. And I, I find that that's like a big struggle for my team too, is that we kind of like pigeonhole ourselves on what our SOI really is. We just think it's like mom, dad, all their friends, brother, sister, all their friends. But it's like, no, all the other people that they know too, coworkers and people they went to school with and, you know, everything. I consider that my SOI because at some capacity, they know who I am or who I, or I was whenever I was younger or whatever it might be. So on that note, let's move into lead nurture, right? What do you guys do to stay top of mind and talk to people on a regular basis? Every quarter of the people in our database at least get one call. And that call is something along those lines of like, hey, Raymond, how's it going? Just wanted to check up on you, see how everything's going. 
And then at some point within that call, they're going to obviously ask how you've been. And our response is, well, we're great. You know, we're selling houses left and right. Just wanted to see if there's any friends or family that we could serve for you throughout this year. And, you know, things along those lines. It's just on top of that, you know, if we know their birthday, they're getting a, a video message and some cookies from us on our on their birthday. If we know their kid's birthday, we're doing the same thing. We're sending a video message saying, hey, let a so-and-so let, let them know we said happy birthday. And we're sending them like Tiff Street cookies and, you know, a lot of different things like that. So really like staying top of mind is, is a, a few different ways because we're doing that. But we also make sure that everybody that we work with is either a raving fan or a referral partner, meaning that you're either going to like follow us on all our social media pages. That way you can see us constantly whenever we're posting a bunch of content and hopefully you share it. Hopefully you, you know, send it to your friends or family. Hopefully your friends and family follow us too, or you're a referral partner, meaning that every single time we call you, you just miraculously have somebody that's looking to buy or sell a home or maybe even lease or invest, you know? So we, we're really big on relationship building. And I think it's because, you know, anytime I was just talking to my team about this earlier today, Anytime anybody has ever asked me, hey, can you donate for my my kids, you know, baseball tournament? I'm like, no question, yes. Anytime there's like a fundraiser at school, no question, yes. And it's not a matter of I'm going to do this so my name can be on it because most of the time my name isn't even on it. I just want to make sure that they know I'm, I'm there for them in any way that they might need. That way, whenever it might be a real estate need, they know that they can call me as well. No hesitation, you know. We're just very big on, I, I just love people in all honesty. Like my mom and dad raised me to just be nice to all and ask questions later, you know? I think it's always interesting, right? Like who chooses to do what to stay top of mind and how they do it. And ultimately, I don't know that it matters necessarily what you do. What matters is that you do it. Yep. Right. That you show up and you're disciplined and you're consistent. For you, where did that come from? How did you become disciplined? How did you learn to be consistent? You know, I think that... My, I've only had three jobs. This is my third job. And I say it's my third, but I was a realtor and now I'm a team lead. So I guess it's kind of my third slash fourth. But before this, I sold Cutco. And my very first job was I was a bagger at Kroger. So I never really have seen, like, I think a lot of people get into real estate for the flexibility and for the fact that they don't have to work a nine to five schedule. They can go do whatever they want. But for me, I never really got to be in that nine to five world. So I guess I don't know the difference of this job compared to somewhere where you do have to report and be somewhere and be, you know, on time and stuff like that. And in essence, yeah, I'm my own boss. But if I was the boss to people that I am now, there's certain expectations, just like your boss at a nine to five might have. And as long as you can manage those expectations for yourself, be realistic with them. Like, don't say, I'm going to get to the office every day at 7am. If you know, you wake up at 830, you know what I mean? Like little things like that, like really set realistic expectations for yourself. And on top of that, if you're going to make a commitment, break down to a T what that commitment involves. Meaning if you are committing to selling X amount of houses this year, do you know how many appointments it takes to get to that amount of houses based off of your conversion rates? Do you know how many calls you need to make in order to get that amount of appointments? No, well then great. This is how many you have to make. And like, I guess just staying committed to the actions rather than just the results, you know, like that's ultimately, I feel like how I've been able to stay disciplined is knowing that I'm chasing something that's that's greater than me. You know what I mean? And now, especially with having a team, everybody that's on the team, I've told them all individually and in group settings, I want you to be a much better producer than I am. And that's going to be hard because I'm still producing. And, and it's kind of like a selfish and a selfless way because selfishly, like I'm always going to have somebody like right on my heels that I got to keep keep running from, you know? And at the same time, it's selfless because I, I do want them to eventually surpass me, you know, and it's just, let's see when I let up off the gas. 
Yeah, for now you're on cruise control, right? Right. Right. Well, I don't know. <laughs> so you said something that I think is interesting, right? That you're committed to the actions versus the results. And I think that is important. Like you can all know what you want and what the result may be. But if you're not willing to show up daily and take that discipline and do the action that's required to get the result, it doesn't matter. Right. And I right. think that's where a lot of agents struggle, right? Is they don't always know, well, most of the time probably, because you don't learn this in real estate school, right? Like you don't know what the action is to get the result you want. Right. That's often why you either hire a coach or look for a mentor or join a team. Right. And, you know, being in this position that I'm in now, I, I my team is also very young, right? Like everybody on the team is, I would say, 35 and under. And so everybody has, and then, you know, for that same point, the majority are all like 25 and under. And so with that being said, it's like, you know, one, being 22 year old, uh, 22 year old myself, I know that like all my friends from high school and stuff like that aren't necessarily on that same disciplined wavelength, right? They're, they have the discipline built in because they've gone to college and they've gone to school. When it comes to like, I guess, just working or in a sales job, especially I can't, it's a struggle because, you know, you can't always expect everybody to have the same level of discipline or work ethic or any of that that you do. All you can do is listen to what their goals are, why they have those goals, and then hold them accountable to the actions within those goals. Um, but it's all, you know, commitment to just actions over results. If you do the right actions, the results are supposed to come. And if they don't, well, then maybe change up your actions, increase your actions, or it's just a lot more of an easier measurable to have, I think. Sure. Caleb, what are some things you're really proud of over the last three years about your business? That's a good question. I think as, you know, in the position that I'm in, I often do not stop and smell the roses, you know? Sure. And it's funny because I have like two distinct groups of friends, right? Like I have the group of friends that I went to high school with that either they're in college or working a nine to five, kind of trying to find their way. And then I have this group of friends of like crazy producers, like, really big investors, like, you know, and they are friends, you know, I'll go hang out with them, hang out with their families, things like that. And they're very distinct, different groups, right? And it's interesting because, you know, anytime I find myself or maybe even feeling a little bit down about, oh, I didn't hit my numbers this month, but I maybe still had a really great month. What I hear from both groups for different reasons is, Caleb, shut up, you're going to be fine. <laughs> and it's for different reasons, but they, and for distinct groups, but they're telling me the same thing. I'm proud that I've been able to have such a like good circle around me like that you know like i've i feel like i've hand selected a lot of my friends and family and just core people around me everybody that's on the team has kind of come to me because they wanted to be coached and you know just increase their level of production or get into production or whatever it might be. i'm super proud of how i've been able to like see light bulbs go off over people's heads you know, like there's that moment where you, you know, that it just clicked for them. There was something that you said in there. And sometimes I'm like going so fast paced. I don't even know what it was, but there's something in there that like catches them and you can see their eyes light up and the light bulb go off. And then immediately it correlates to them doing more business or just being happier about what they're doing. You know, I'm, I'm proud that I've been able to kind of get into other things that I, I wanted to do just being younger. You know, I invest in real estate too. I flip houses and, you know, I have a rental property right now, just one, but I'm looking to get three this year is my goal and three more this year is my goal. And, you know, I'm proud of the journey over everything else. Like, I think that there's lots of things I want to do in life as far as like just goals, whether they're material goals or like spiritual or personal or whatever it might be. And I'm ultimately just proud that I feel like I'm on that path, you know, that I can kind of feel it coming to me as I'm approaching it. 
You're an inspiration, man. Like, honestly, that's, that's all amazing. I guess to start wrapping it up, what's one or two things that you would like to pay forward to anybody listening to this, right? Like if they just walk away with one or two things from this podcast and they're an agent or a professional in the business, what would you like to tell them? I guess I'd give them two things, you know, and these are two like more, I guess, philosophical points and you can kind of perceive them however you want, right? So on my necklace is a buffalo. It's our team's logo as well, as you probably saw on social media and things like that. And the significance of the Buffalo, like I was struggled for the longest time trying to find a team logo. I was like, maybe it should just be TMT, but then I was like, ah, Floyd Mayweather might sue me and I don't want that. But with the, with the Buffalo, you know, I heard the story a long time ago and there's plenty of different renditions and changes of it. But the essence of it is that if a herd of cows sees a storm coming, they typically tuck and run the opposite direction. If an ostrich sees a storm coming, it'll probably dig its head into the dirt and then completely ignore the storm even being there, but they'll still get rained on. And if a buffalo sees a storm coming or a herd of buffalo sees a storm coming, they'll typically turn toward the storm and then run directly to it simply because they feel like this is the fastest way that they'll be able to get through that. And so being that we've been over the last couple of years, shifting markets, crazy interest rates, different things along those lines, we've been in tons of storms personally and professionally. And anytime that you have a storm in your life, don't be a cow and just completely run away from it and ignore it and, and you know, eventually let the storm catch up to you. Don't be an ostrich and dig your head to the dirt and ignore that everything around you is happening when it's inevitably happening. Be a buffalo and take on that storm head on, run directly to it because I promise it's going to be the fastest way that you're going to be able to get through it. And then I guess secondly, you know, I, I mentioned Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why. And in the book, he talks a lot about how companies that start with a, a why have clients that suffer inconveniences and, and pay premiums for your services. I had a client once who had a cousin that was a realtor. She also had two best friends that had their license. One was inactive and one was active. And this was like my sister's best friend from high school's mom. So no real true reason to work with me, right? Above her other three people that she could have. And I remember we had this listing appointment and I had gone through with her throughout a year of just those care calls that I mentioned earlier, every quarter just checking up on her. Through COVID, her brother had gotten really sick ended up passing away. I did things like offering to bring her groceries and wipe all the bags at the front door, uh, pick up her dog food, whatever it was that she needed. And I was doing that for everybody, but for this client in particular, it ended up kind of coming back tenfold. Whenever we, you know, we signed a listing agreement for her house because she called me eventually. I was like, you know, I want you to come tell me what my house is worth. Fast forward, ended up selling her home. And then, you know, of course, helping her buy the next one just around the corner. And we're doing the final walkthrough in her house and she kind of just starts crying. And is like, you know, my daughters asked me why it was that I went with you above their aunt and above or above their cousin and above, you know, their friends. And she said, because Caleb checked up on me, Caleb was there for me. Caleb was offering to bring me groceries during the pandemic. Caleb was, you know, kind of bring me dog food, like whatever it was, I was just there for her, you know? And I started with why my, why was just to make sure that she was okay. You know, ultimately just like I was making sure everybody was okay during COVID. It was a crazy time. And People were losing loved ones and I just wanted to make sure that I could listen and be there. You know, ultimately above all, I had no business. I had no reason to be soliciting for business. I was just making sure people were, were okay. You know, I didn't even know if anybody was going to leave their house, let alone sell it. And that solidified to me that I'm starting with your why people will truly suffer inconveniences because she went through a whole renovation in that house while she was staying in the house, working in the home per my recommendation. 
and she paid a premium, so to say. I mean, I didn't charge her a crazy amount on commission. I charged her regular, what anybody would, right? But I imagine if she would have worked with her cousin or any of her best friends, they probably would have given her a discount, you know? So it just proved to me that starting with your why, people will pay premiums and suffer inconveniences just for your service. Both of those things are beautiful, man. Like Buffalo running into the storm and just showing up. I think that's unbelievable. Caleb, where can people find you? Where's the best place to get a hold of you? I would say Instagram is easiest. My Instagram is at Caleb R. Monroe. That is K-A-L-E-B-R-M-O-N-R-O-E. Add me on Facebook, Caleb Richard Monroe, K-A-L-E-B and then Richard Monroe. I'm happy to help in any way that I possibly can. I always tell agents, even out here in Houston, I don't care if you're on my team. I don't care if we're at the same brokerage. Like, I think that together we can kind of raise the bar of the industry and I want to be able to do my part in that. Caleb, thanks for leading by example, man. This has been amazing. Thank you for your time. And guys, all the links to Caleb will be in the show notes. Take a look at his socials. Be the bull. Be the buffalo. Yes, sir. <laughs> thanks so right, much. Man. Thanks for showing up with me today. Absolutely, brother. Appreciate you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Agent Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by You Sell It, the number one do-it-yourself real estate photo app for incredible professional results. Hey guys, it's Ray. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks so much for being here and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you.